Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. Hope you enjoy the message. Our new band member, Darren Summers. Thank you, Darren, for stepping up into that. Um, it's awesome, just a joy to have new people take in the reins of that. And so as we enter into this moment of worship transition, there's going to be some new faces we see um, and uh, developing and, and doing all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm really excited about the summer. Uh, this will be a summer of trying new things, so, and that's a great time for the summer. Um, so just be ready for all of that. This morning, speaking of trying new things, is we um, are in, the, in our We Read plans. We are throwing stuff around here. Um, in, our, in our We Read plans, uh, we have this imperative to not only just consume the scripture, but also as a community to talk about what is going on in our lives. How is that impacting us? What do we do with this scripture? And so uh, for about a year now, we've been doing a We Read plan. And the We Read plan goes along with uh, generally whatever we're uh, talking about on Sunday morning. And so I pick a scripture out of um, the five readings for that week. Uh, and that is pretty much the, uh, the cornerstone of uh, the scripture references for Sunday morning's message. That's been going on for a while now, and it's been a really uh, fun adventure to go along. We've covered uh, Romans and uh, Acts, and uh, we were doing it with Nehemiah. You guys just didn't know we were doing it with Nehemiah. Um, we were doing, we've done it with uh, all kinds of different stuff, with the whole water's edge and all the water. Everyone read about water forever, right? Well, all the water, the water is everywhere. Um, and water, water here, water, water there. And we've done that. And now we're coming out of this series talking about neighboring. And we've gone all these scriptures about how do we be the best neighbor we possibly can be? How do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind? And how do we love our neighbor as our self? What does that look like for us? And how do we live that out? So we've concluded that series uh, last week, but so I wanted to do something a little different this week uh, with those scriptures, is that we've been journeying together with that, and I want to hear uh, from you, what is the scriptures that have been on your heart? What has impacted you in this time and in this moment? We've done this a couple other times, almost as a surprise uh, throughout the year. This one, I totally telegraphed it and said, this is what we're doing this Sunday. So, um, I'm excited about that. I hope that you, I have all kinds of stuff that people have sent me uh, online as well. Uh, but Kelly has got, got a microphone and will be uh, going around. If you want to share something that the Lord has put in your heart that you've written down in your journal, um, she'd love to 
to find you with that. Um, so that's the setup for today's uh, service. It is a little different than normal, and we're okay with that. I told you, summer's going to be a little different. Uh, that's what we've got going on. Um, I'll start out with one of these that um, were sent in with me today, and uh, then after a couple of people share um, and we look at time and whatnot, we'll, I'll have some remarks to conclude our time together this morning. Um, this one's from my mother, who's in the back, so I can say whatever I want right now, <laughs> at least until she watches it uh, recorded. Uh, so, uh, and this was in reference to the Zacchaeus story. Oh, Zacchaeus, I haven't checked other versions, but the word that stuck out to me this morning in verse 5 was must. Jesus told Zacchaeus that he must go to Zacchaeus' house today. It was Jesus' mission and purpose for that day. It wasn't spur-of-the-moment idea. Jesus knew that going to Zacchaeus' house was the main item on his to-do list for that day. So that leads me to the personal question. On my to-do list for today, is there a must? Is there a must that, of lifting up someone for whatever reason? Is there someone who needs to be seen, noticed, and given worth? The other thing that hit me was Zacchaeus' response. My recollection of the story and I'm not sure where it comes from, is to assume Zacchaeus' life change happened after Jesus had been received and eaten at Zacchaeus' home, after Jesus' word of wisdom had been absorbed by Zacchaeus. But the scripture only says that Zacchaeus came down out of that tree, welcomed Jesus to come to his house, and immediately said that he would give half of what he acquired to the poor. Just being noticed by Jesus had a life-changing impact on Zacchaeus. No eloquent words. Just noticing him and letting Zacchaeus know he had worth enough to dine in his home. We get wrapped up in saying the correct thing when the example Jesus sets here is to just notice the hurt someone is experiencing. There's Jesus' power in that. I thought that was really just so good because I'm trained, I went to school. I paid money for my two degrees. I still get really, really nervous. How do I have the perfect thing to say to people? Right? And the, the takeaway from this is not you have to have the right thing. You have to have the right presence. You have to be willing to step into people's lives. That is what you need to be prepared for, not to be eloquent, not to have all the answers, not to do all those things, but just to be present. As we think about neighboring and we think about being in, maybe even in the right place at the right time, I wonder if we take the pressure off of ourselves and just be available for love, how does that change the stress factor, <laughs> the anxiety that we feel on how we live our lives for Christ? Because this is not supposed to be an anxiety-inducing event, by the way. Anyone have something maybe has been laid on their heart? Got to use the microphone so our friends on, okay. you're loud enough, okay. but okay. our friends online need to hear you. <laughs> Being a funeral director for 40 years, I used to teach that very thing. I didn't realize it was a Zacchaeus lesson, but it's a ministry of presence. It's not a ministry of what you say. It's not a ministry of how do I do that? Just be there. Just be there, and that's usually enough. Yes. 
Anyone else? Next me. Make Kelly get her steps in today. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I heard this, but there was a, a saying that says, bloom where you're planted. And this, it goes with what you're saying, is to be available and bloom where you're planted, wherever that is, be it a neighbor, a worker, a family member, whatever. Thank you, Mary. Anyone else? It doesn't have to be on Zacchaeus. It can be on something else. Um, mine is about neighboring in general. Uh, my mom fell and broke her arm a few weeks back. And neighboring, like, really hit my family when she fell. Um, the lady across the street from us, from my parents, has been there forever. And they're, they're our family. And so when she saw the ambulance come to the house, she came over. And she just stayed. She was just a calm presence for us. And her boys, who are adults now, came over and they wanted to do whatever they could, whether it was going to my house to sit so Paul could go to work so that my kids could get on, you know, whatever we had to do that day or go to my sister's house um, or take, they offered to take my dad to the hospital. And the next day we were supposed to have people at my parents' house. And um, there were all these plans for all this food and all these things that we were going to do on Friday to prepare for Saturday. And we couldn't do them. And... My neighbor and her family, my parents' neighbor and her family did them for us. And they made the food and they went to the store and they came to the house and they cleaned the house. And they did the things that we needed to do and couldn't be there to do. And she even went and sat at the hospital with my mom so that my dad could be at our house to be where he was going to be in the first place. And I just, at the end of that night, my girls and I were talking about it, and they were talking about the feeling, that, this feeling that they got in their stomachs when, when Miss Arlene and the boys came over and about how it made them feel. And I told them that that's the feeling. That's the feeling that we need to give to others, and that's why we do the things that we do, whether it's going next door to rake leaves for the neighbor or, or even just playing with the girls on the other side, you know, so that their parents can get things done. That feeling that you get when you do neighbor and when you are there, whether it's a big thing like making meals and, and cleaning a house or just being there in person. And so neighboring really turned its meaning this, this past couple of weeks. Yeah. As, as a story that's been repeated to me, uh, not, not just a Vaughn story, but as we've opened ourselves, as people in the church have opened themselves up to the experience of neighboring, how they've received amazing blessings from their neighbors. And I just thought that was really interesting. Maybe it's such a posture moment of to be able to receive and to give what communal life looks like and what stepping up for each other looks like. Um, Roger Shube was sharing in our elder meeting about, he was like, well, I don't know if I was a good neighbor, but everybody around me was a great neighbor. <laughs> I just thought it was, but it's still just, it's the posture moment of, hey, I'm ready to, to, to engage in these conversations. I'm ready to engage in this relationship. When we move away from running into our garage as fast as we possibly can to instead engaging with uh, those around us. Anyone else? 
Yes, Julie. Let Kelly get to you. Everybody online needs to hear your wonderful words. See? Oh, good. <laughs> okay. So neighboring's been on my heart for a while. So this plan was kind of cool for me. Um, but I summarized it because I didn't understand the assignment. <laughs> so for me, the whole neighboring plan was kind of made me think of unity. Unity and neighboring. Unity is what we say we want or need, and I feel neighboring is how we can achieve it. I grew up being hardened by the world, turning my back on those that hurt me, lashing out, yelling back, getting to a place where I didn't want to deal with people. But God says, do not take revenge, love. There will always be people that try and test you or push you down, just as they did Jesus. But we still love by putting God first, not ourselves. That's been another thing for me. It's not about me. <laughs> uh, grace. We've been given it. We must give it and learn it. Like in our reading from Luke 15, the brothers each took a different path, but both needed grace to be given it and to understand it. Loving others can be hard. As Pastor has said, people can be messy. I'm messy. We're messy. It can be even harder on days we don't really love ourselves. But scripture says, if we hate another believer, we don't love God. First John 4.20. That was really eye-opening for me. First Peter 2.12 tells us that mixing with unbelievers will help them experience and come to know our Lord. Helping others see and find Jesus. I think that's community. This is why neighboring is huge. We are stronger together. We were made to come together. Each of us a piece of the body, a living stone. Beautiful. Johanna uh, Reidenauer sent this in. The word delve stuck with me from right before the neighboring series. Then early in the next week, one day's reading was the scripture of Jesus pouring out his heart to his father for his friends, the disciples, before he was turned over for his impending crucifixion. It's the most beautiful conversation with God that we've read or heard before and maybe sometimes skim over in preparation for Easter. But he delved in prayer for his friends. It set the tone deeper for me as we journeyed through having an attitude shift, being light and salt, praying for people not about them but for them, making the most of every opportunity, speaking life, truth, and love all without fear. It helped me take things to God in deeper conversations more frequently really feeling the love for his friends, the disciples, as we talked about loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. This series, the idea of delving deep in prayer each day more. No one else? This was hard because I think I've preached on every one of these passages. So we could be here all week. If I, but I, <laughs> you got the mute button back there? Okay. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, here's the deal. Uh, when you talk about love your neighbor, isn't it really dependent on what that word love means? And the, the New Testament word for love is unique. In, in Greek, there's like three or four different words for love. And the New Testament word is agape, which is a special kind of love, a love that finds itself 
in helping others, not in what it's going to get, but what it's going to give. And in 1 Corinthians 13, which uh, is one of my favorite passages, uh, it says, it, it really defines love better than any poem or song I've ever heard. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, although I'd love to. <laughs> this is uh, from the Living Bible. Right? Think about that. Remember that, the Living Bible, because it's a great translation to learn this uh, passage from. It's, uh, it's a it's a paraphrase, but it's so beautiful. When I was in college, a bunch of us guys were in a Bible study, and we decided uh, we were going to do something together. We read, we, we coveted together to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13 every day for a month and see what it did for our lives, how it changed our perceptions. The scripture I would like to just share with you uh, from, from the Living Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is just verses 4 uh, through 7. But if you have, have it on your phone, if you have, have the Bible on your phone, look up the Living Bible and check out 1 Corinthians 13, the whole thing. It says, Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. If you love someone, you'll be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. That's love your neighbor. Agape. Anyone else? Um, mine's not as awesome and in-depth as yours, but um, something kind of stuck out when you were sharing um, the verses that stuck out to you about being seen, and a lot of the women in the church, we had done a Bible study a little bit back, um, Christine Kane, and there was this huge emphasis on needing to be seen, um, obviously mostly by Christ, but, you know, by each other and, and, and feeling... Um, visible to the world. And so, you know, something as we've kind of gone through the neighboring series has stuck out to me, which is, you know, <laughs> Eric's sister used to live in this neighborhood, and this guy waved to everybody. I mean, it didn't matter where you, who you were, if you were from the neighborhood or not. He was always like, hey! And you were just always like, okay, hey, <laughs> But, like, every time we'd go to her house, like, I, like, would like love to see this guy like waving back, you know, and you just felt welcomed and you felt safe and you felt seen and how important that was. And so I've tried to kind of be that. That's really weird for me because this guy was just like this bubbling, like, you know, energy. And, and so I'm like, I want to be that person that if someone's walking and you're like, yo, hey, they're like, me, <laughs> you know, but, but where they feel that love, that, that being seen and that if, if we're Christ, like and and the least we're doing is is seeing <laughs> someone then i feel like that's just the first little step i can be in a neighbor even if it's not something as awesome as you know mowing their lawn or or, or a task but so that's my goal at least in being a neighbor awesome love it it's powerful 
one of the things I miss the most about uh, my Jeep Wrangler turning into a minivan is the Jeep Wave. Two fingers on the steering wheel. Hey, everybody. Don't try to do it. I try, still try to wave to Jeep. They're like, nah, you're not in. You're not in. You're not cool enough. I know. I know. I, I lost it. Um, I had twins. This is what happens. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I, I miss, you miss that. Like, ah, you, you noticed me. You see me. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? And whatever our life is, when we go through uh, all the loneliness of life and how isolated we can be so quickly, but to know that someone cares, someone's seeing you with a simple wave or smile, even if it is the <clears throat> crazy lady that Joy did. <laughs> Anyone else? I'll share mine. Okay. Um, kind of was looking over, I, I'm kind of a big picture person, so like what's God trying to teach me in this season, not just one specific little moment. And I think for me, it was more of a challenge with neighboring of whether you choose to believe it or not, I'm an introvert. And so I wait for people to enter into my world. Um, so I'm hearing some of this and I'm like, yeah, well, all these people, aren't they listening to this? Why aren't they inviting us to, for lunch or, you know, whatever kind of a thing. And I'm waiting for others to do that. Um, but I think the big picture is God's telling me that I'm the one who's the light of the world. I'm bringing the salt to the earth. And so being the one that takes that step of initiative um, instead of sitting back and waiting for it to happen to me. And then once that door is open, then, okay, I can jump in and do all of this neighboring and, and living and um, in the godly way for, for showing love to my neighbors. Um, so for me, that's been the challenge um, of just not, not waiting around. I know so many people right now are feeling so isolated coming out of COVID. And while that may not be my experience, but using this as a time to enter into the worlds of, of other people who are around me, whether it's na physical neighbors or neighbors, classroom neighbors um, that I'm not seeing every day right now, or my own children, which is kind of where God's tugging the most right now of last week of um, being the neighbors to the people in your closest spheres of influence um, and entering into their world on their terms, not necessarily <laughs> on my terms, the, the agape kind of love that, that Ray was talking about. Mm. Awesome. Uh, Missy Frementi sent this in. My biggest takeaway from the neighboring was the day when we read Matthew 5, 13 through 16 and Colossians 4, 5 through 6. At this point in the reading, I had been starting, all right, I'm sorry, I had been at a new job as a teacher's assistant for a few months. As I prayed about starting this position, I would come across scripture about being God's light and let our light shine before men. Then after being at the school for a few months, I had to get moved to another school in my district. My heart was quite heavy as I walked through the new hallways of a new school. I felt like on a foreign land to me, even though I was only seven miles away from my other school. My heart was aching, and I prayed that God would help me to see what he wants me to see in this time. And these verses spoke right to my heart. You are the salt to the earth. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before men. And, and then the icing on the cake is Colossians. Be wise in the way you are towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. If we are to live out these verses of being a light, make the most of every opportunity, then I need to stop feeling sorry for myself about what school I am at and serve God and his people wherever he may lead me. These verses flipped my sorrow and gave me purpose.
good stuff. Um, my, the one that impacted me the most, and I think will reverberate for me for years to come, was uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. It's the verse right before uh, the love passage that Ray shared just a minute ago. But this verse, I, I told you uh, when I shared, we pre- preached on this a few weeks ago, I, I can't believe, I know I've read this a million times before, but I can't believe I've, I've missed it. The verse is simply, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And now I will show you the most excellent way, which leads into the love passages. The most excellent way. What is it? If I speak in the, in the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and, and if I have faith that can move mountains but not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but not love, I gain nothing. Then love is patient, love is kind. Let me show you the most excellent way. And I wonder for myself and I wonder for you, what do you actually seek out in your life? How do you, what way do you want to live out? I know for myself, I've sought out the safe way. I've sought out for myself the easy way. I've sought out for myself the right way. How do I construct my life so I'm always right? But you can try really hard. And you can make yourself miserable. That's the, that's the deal, right? You can make, and you lose all your friends when all you care about is being right. No one wants to be about that person. That was college age Jared, by the way. I'm glad I grew out of that one. Uh, but uh, so how do we do these things? What are we desiring There's seasons in your life when you just want the easy way, when you just want the right way. Maybe we've desired the most beneficial to us way. But how do we desire, how do we orchestrate our life to seek the most excellent way? And what is that way? It is the way of love. I am kind of captured by this thought. It's the way in which I want to live my life. I want this to be the goal statement, the target on the wall. Not only that I've orchestrated and organized my own life to live towards a life that is the most excellent way of love, but that I consistently show others the most excellent way of life. We live as Western Christians in a society in which we can have different ways of life and be mildly successful. We can get through life and be like, ah, it was okay. I'm kind of happy. And we get to a point and we get to a spot in which I think we achieve that level of, I'm all right. 
of mild satisfaction. And not even realizing there is a most excellent way, a different way. And we get distracted by trying to live easy lives. and to get, We get distracted and lead people astray by trying to be, live perfectly right lives. When what we really should have been doing is trying to direct people in the most excellent way of love. That's what I'm wrestling with. That's how, when I start interpreting difficult conversations... When I'm trying to start figuring out how to be a better parent and a better husband and a better neighbor, how is this showing the most excellent way? Do I have to be right? Do I have to say face? Is this the easy thing? Probably no to all three. It doesn't matter because this is the excellent way. Is it harder? Yes. Does it require more sacrifice? Absolutely. Are its long-term goals measurable? Maybe even not. The most excellent way of love. That love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily anchored. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. And so as we direct our lives, I hope as we move from this neighboring series and we try to start applying these things into our lives, as we try to incorporate them um, in, in how we go from here, what do we do next? Is that we live lives of the most excellent way. There's a, another one that was sent in to me, but I can't use names the names and the places have changed, <laughs> right? Um, I, can't, I can't use that because it's so sensitive. But there was an episode uh, this past week where um, a neighbor saw a bunch of police uh, cars descend on a house, an ambulance descend on a house. And these, these neighbors had moved in uh, right when COVID started, so there was no relationship there. There was no moment of, hey, let's hang out in the yard. Let's throw some uh, bags. Let's, let's do these things. There, there was no relationship. There was just those people moved in. I see them. I recognize their car. But all these police uh, cars had, had descended on this home, and something was evidently up. So this person went out, kind of going, being a little nosy, but also like, what's going on? Is everybody okay? And when the ambulance showed up, okay, this is escalating quickly. The woman of the house comes out and meets her neighbor on the, on the sidewalk and says, we found him hanging. And this, these two women have never had a conversation before. They've been neighbors for two years. They've never had a conversation. She wraps her up in a big hug. Can I pray for you? Yes. Doesn't even know her name. Just start praying, just start praying, just start praying. Goes over to the house a couple days later, has some gift cards. What do you get someone who is going through this, right? I got a gas card because you have to drive to the hospital. That's, that's, that's all that's going through her head. Gas cards and some food. You can go to BW3s and get some chicken wings. That makes everything better. 
goes over. <clears throat> Kids are playing in the backyard. She says, hey, I, I got you some stuff. Oh, thank you. And I can't tell you how much it meant, meant for you to pray for me like that. Well, how are you doing? How, how's going on? Well, he's right there. He was safe. We found him in time. Now, that story could have ended in terrible ways. That's not an easy story. The story's not over. There's trauma. There's heartache. There's pain. But the most excellent way of love is to say, you know what? Now I know your name. <laughs> and now I'm entering your story. And now I'm not, I want you to know you're not alone. You're going through this, and I'll go with it, go with you through it. Now that is the most, one of the more extreme levels of neighboring that we can enter in, right? And some of you just, you know, need to find a stray dog. <laughs> but that's the most excellent way. To say, I know you're going through something, and I'm going to feel the opportunity. I'm going to see this moment. I'm going to meet you on the sidewalk, and I'll be here for you. Folks, our world is crying out for people to meet us on the sidewalk. To not hear the talking heads on TV and not read the headlines about how so-and-so's cranky and this so-and-so's this person, and that this person did that dumb thing. But to meet us on the sidewalk in the moment of our need, to say, I love you, I don't even care if I know your name or not. I don't care if I have the same background from you. I don't care if we've never shared a hot dog before. I'm going to show you the most excellent way of love. That is our challenge. That is who we can be. If we are going to change the world in Christ's name, that's what happens. Not big conferences, not crazy, fancy, slick performances, but living the most excellent way. Let me pray for you as the band comes up. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Lord, I ask you for the courage to live the most excellent way. I ask for you to show us how to live in love. Lord, this week I ask for opportunities to step into. Those might be opportunities with my spouse. They might be opportunities with my family. They might be opportunities with my neighbors or my coworkers or just people in this area. Lord, we ask um, to be your man or your woman in this moment and this time. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would empower us, would, would fill us with the drive and the direction and the opportunity, but also um, that we would, our love would conquer our fear of looking foolish or being out of place. Lord, that you would be with us and you would empower us. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.